Humbuckle Ramshackle Part 2 by S. John Davis I squeak open the door and sneak into the apartment. It's an odd thing to sneak into one's own apartment, but it feels necessary at times, and the thumping headache doesn't serve to make my actions any clearer, so I move automatically with negligible thought. Flick through some periodicals. That'll help clear out the stagnant grey matter that's irking up there. Maybe food. Food always helps. I open the cupboard and see some pitta and the materials to fold up some sort of kebab. The idea repulses me, and I stop to consider why I would have those ingredients in the first place. I can't throw them away fast enough. The light flickers. It always does. I should replace it, but I won't. I might go meet with some friends today, tonight, whatever it is right now. My friends will help me shake this haze, but for some reason I can't seem to think of a single person to reach out to. Time magazine is suggesting unrest in Asia and the Middle East. Likely true, but no less true across America, Europe and Oceania. Everyone is riled up about something or other all the time. I hesitate to use the phrase these days because the sort of unrest going on has been going on for a millennia's worth of these days in a way to keep authority with the authoritarians. Good Lord, does my head hurt. I'll close my eyes and rest my head on the table. I'll be with you in one... It all had to burn down. It was always meant to be this way, and we just have to accept it. The flames leap out toward me, burning hands reaching out to pull me into the building, yet I can't seem to bring myself to walk away. Not yet, at least. Like the jingle for that old kid cereal goes. My sugar flips, sweet sugar flips. A taste for your heart and a taste for your lips. Sugar flips, sweet sugar flips. Burn them all away until there's nobody left. The ash flutters about and falls down into sullen puddles that quickly soak it up. There's two or three people watching, but it's hard to pay any sort of attention to them. The people in the city are always some shade of brown, black or grey that they become a part of the horizon. They are human static, replaceable, insignificant. We were in a car next, I think. It had the feel of a car at least, and the grey people were driving. Their vocal trills were an audible skittering that raised hackles and made the ride an anxious affair, but the sort of which one knows no real danger looms. I can't understand these people, if people is the real term, and I often forget if I'm supposed to be part of the proletariat or the aristocracy, or heaven forbid, the bourgeois. Whichever I am, they're the other, and our worlds have fallen too far apart to allow for communication. They take me out towards what was once a countryside, would still be, were it not for all the tar spread out across the fields, and there in that wasteland, I can see some men in suits and my mind jolts back to reality. I am unsafe here. It's hard to know how long the experiments have been going on for, because the memories are removed each time. At some point it becomes impossible to know if the experiments are happening at all, and eventually it is only the situational awareness that lets you know that something is amiss. The ground shouldn't be grey. The air shouldn't taste alkaline, there shouldn't be a constant buzz in my blood, and we shouldn't all be working against each other. But all that decay works to the benefit of some small few, and so the masses must endure. What an awful time for a diatribe. Those suited fiends have almost reached me and I haven't acted at all. The others have raced off in their car, and I am left alone to face these men however I can. I'll note that I very much do not want to face these men on my own. I don't know anything about them apart from the fear of them. Four suited men. Three cars parked on the tarred earth and the wind house something fierce. Four. Three. 
The sun flickers on and off beat, and for a second I recall who I am and the aura of godhood about me. I want my soapbox and I want my audience, but they're not there. I reach to the sun and scour the earth in darkness, but it's momentary. Four, three, two, and it's only one, because that's all it's ever been. I consider turning to run, but I know that I'd be caught, and so I do something unthinkable and race forward at my pursuers. They react a moment too late, and I'm past them and at their cars. I climb into the nearest and fly into the cityscape that looms over the horizon. For the time, I feel as though I've escaped. Surely they'll return, but no one is behind me for now. I don't know if I've escaped them before. Perhaps I have, and I've forgotten, but the longer I can stay away, the better chance I have of understanding. Crush the waves. Hold the water in your pockets. We're just sand. Sand on the shore. Sand on the shore. The song cries out on the radio with heightened warbling. All for that one girl, all for that one love. I'll fight against the ocean, let the waves come crashing down. People actually listen to this computer-generated garbage. My hair is in my eyes. When did it grow so long and how the hell am I so tired? I reach the tall building of the city proper and the lights warp and blend like the whole world has astigmatism. How long was I driving? When did it become night? Rain comes crashing down from the heavens and it feels a little like Palm Sunday. Something shakes loose in my skull and I realise I'm wrong. The godhood ideology is mixed up with the drugs and is the furthest thing from the truth and I know that more than ever as I'm hit with the first dizzying wave of withdrawals. Every muscle in my body contracts painfully and I almost crash the car. Breathe. Breathe. You're breathing with me, right? It'd sure be a shame if you weren't breathing, although if you weren't, the chances of you reading this or listening to this are slim, unless this is found after artificial intelligence takes over, which, by my reckoning, should be uh, Wednesday. The pain subsides as quickly as it came on, and I gently pull the car over, still breathing at least for now and counting the breaths as rhythmically as I can. Three, two, three. I'm going to interrupt for a moment because it's been far too long since we've heard from our sponsors. The reasoning may shock you, and that is that we have not been able to secure sponsors at this point in time. We are working on resolving this, and we thank you for supporting us. Three, two, three. Breathing hurts. Why does it hurt? Breathing should not hurt. It's supposed to be automatic, although I guess it's not truly, unless you're hooked up to an iron lung. The machines will do everything for us soon enough, so I won't be surprised when the micro-iron lungs start being installed into people's chests. The machines have gathered round the car now, and I have no option but to step out and leave the vehicle in the middle of the street. The machines are tiny, invisible to the human eye, but they're an unyielding swarm that move over and through everything. They used to be called fluoride, uh, but eventually the government decided that there was no more need to hide. We had all been poisoned with nanobots, and we'd been made docile enough to accept it. Three, two, three. My heart is beating too fast and I'm starting to panic. Looks as though this might be it and the suits aren't even here. I can't breathe. And then darkness. The dream is something new. Normally I don't dream. There's far too much colour and it burns at the eyes. 
Blue skies above, yawning out into the nothingness of space behind, and a beautiful woman flows gently across a field of vibrant grass. I know her, but I can't place the name. All, all I can focus on is her long, black hair that seems to float on the wind as she flicks it about in her step. There's a sense of warmth and peace in this place, but it's only momentary, and I'm back on the pavement of the city and the rain is falling onto my face. There's protests going on. It seems like that's becoming more regular as people embrace the metropolitic rancor. I spring quickly to my feet before I get trampled. They've got their signs and they're raging. Looks as though things could get violent soon. Pushing back against the neo-capitalist something or other, which makes sense. Capitalism doesn't work. Communism doesn't work. The reality is that no system works because all of the systems are masks for the aristocracy that controls the system. The question is whether you'd rather the government in control or big business and either way you've got some bloated self-entitled moron running things while people suffer. I consider joining in but it'd probably be best for me to lay low for a while though I have the decency to berate myself for being one of the many who place self-interest over the good of the many. It's hard to navigate through the streets, the police are starting to appear in number now and the protests are quickly becoming riots. I duck around a corner and try to avoid the outbreaking violence and suddenly I'm interrupted by what can only be the spiritual centre of the city as dead silence roars a deafening cry and black marble obelisks fall from the sky. They fall around me and quickly I am enclosed by the giant blank faces of nothing. And here in what is the city's heart it is apparent that she is nothing but the goddess of death a lifeless cancerous monstrosity on the face of the earth, and the sooner that the protesters manage to burn this thing down, the better off everyone will be. The monoliths shift and wave, phasing in and out of time with one another, and my eyes cry out to see some sort of colour, but are met only by varying shades of grey and nothing. Of course they're here now. There are four monoliths that imprison me, and each has a door on its face. The doors are nondescript, and I would not have noticed them if not for the thin line of each showing a slither of light from whatever is behind them. The four doors open simultaneously, and four men in suits step out. The man directly in front of me draws near and then comes to sit cross-legged opposite me. I offer him a smile and a nod, and I can tell that he senses my nervous sarcasm. Where do you think you are? His question rakes at my mind and I feel off balance both mentally and physically. I try and shake it off and hide my slip of composure. It seems like you and your friends have brought me here. Why not tell me where I am instead? His face is impassive, his tone steady and distant. It doesn't matter where you are. It matters what you perceive. Perception is reality and nothing else is of any great importance. Tell me, where are you? I look about myself. The dark pillars that contained us tower above and cast over everything, darkness and foreboding. Light, darkness, information, sound. I didn't look at the man as I answered. Something inside of me feels great shame. I don't know where I am. He nods and stands to his feet. The four turn and leave through the doorways they had entered by. I hadn't answered correctly. I don't know what would have happened if I had. Then the monoliths are gone and I'm back on the street. The place is burning. Police and protesters fighting around me in a deluge of human mass. It's all strangely quiet, almost the same effect as being underwater except with the occasional high shrill scream of someone having their skull cracked open. 
In the distance, I hear church bells start to ring, and it's evident that someone is surely taking the piss.